Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite you, my friends, to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 for the message. During the past two years and eight months of COVID, I have seen the very best in people, but sadly I've also seen the worst in people. And so have you, isn't that true? Amen? And how about you? Has your best come out? Or has your worst come to the service? Or maybe both, right? One of the worst things I have observed over these past two years and eight months, one of the worst things that I have seen amongst Christians and non-Christians has been a, a spirit of complaining and whining, complaining and whining, listen now, complaining and whining, even, even amongst people who did not get sick with COVID, who did not have any family members sick with COVID, even amongst people who did not lose jobs during COVID, or have anything else bad happen to them, and yet I've seen an ongoing spirit of whining and complaining to God and to other people and to me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now, in our Holy Bible, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, it says, do everything, do everything without do everything without complaining and arguing. Did you know that that's in the Bible? Do everything without complaining and arguing. That's what God tells us in this holy book. Wow. My friends, you and I need... We, we need, we need to count our many blessings and name them one by one and see what God has done. Right? As that song says, yes, we need to count our many blessings, name them one by one and see what God has done and stop our whining. Amen. Amen. Wonderful preaching, Pastor Nick, whether any of you think so or not. Yeah. Instead of complaining and whining, you and, I, you and I need to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my privileges. Thank you for my blessings. And in our Holy Bible, in Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, throughout actually the whole of Ephesians and especially Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 these passages ought to inspire us they ought to inspire us to say thank you Lord thank you for my many privileges for the many blessings that I enjoy in my life and with my family right so look at Ephesians chapter 1 beginning at verse 1 here it is 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. By, by the way, that city of Ephesus is, uh, is, still, is still there, except the ruins are there, and sometime if you are ever over in Turkey, uh, overseas, it is worth trying to see the um, excavations of Ephesus. You will be deeply moved by it. But anyway, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, here it is. Praise, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, that's in Christ, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished, that he lavished on us. My friends, the first thing we need to consider as we discover from this reading is that you and I should be able to say, number one, here it is, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being holy and blameless. Verse 4, verse 4 says, this is the uh, New International Version, verse 4, for he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Why? Why praise God for holiness and blame blamelessness? Because a holy and blameless life is a fulfilled life. Did you get that? A holy life and a blameless life is a fulfilled life. Are you living? Are you living a holy and blameless life? I'm not going to say anything more about this truth today because I spent a whole message on it on October the 9th, October the 9th. And if you missed that message, I want to encourage you this week to go um, to our church website and listen to it through the week. I believe it can help you and inspire you. Now, as we read further in Ephesians chapter 1, there is a second truth, a second truth I invite you to focus on, and it is this. We want to say... Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of adoption. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of adoption. Paul expresses thanks for the privilege of adoption in the second part of verse 4 and 5, where, where he says this. He says, in love, in love, he predestined us for adoption, adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, stick with me. Adoption was a common practice in the Roman world in the first century. And some scholars have determined 
that it was also practiced by many Jewish groups as well. Adoption, as a lot of you know, is a legal term and refers to the practice of taking a person from outside the family and bringing him or her into the what? The family, bringing that person into the family, whether it's a younger one or an older one, and granting that person all, all the privileges and inheritance of the family. There's some of you here who adopted a child, and when you adopted that child, that child received the privileges and the inheritance of your precious family. Amen? You see, God calls the sinner, the outsider, you and you and me. He calls us and, and graciously brings us into his divine family, the family of God. Amen? Yes. This thought of adoption has always, has always thrilled me. And I, I believe it should thrill you. Think about it. Think about it. God Almighty, the creator, the maker of the universe, has adopted you, has adopted you, or at least wants to adopt you into the family of God. God, who has created everything, who owns everything, wants to adopt each one of us. He is eager to have you as his child. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many zits or pimples you have on your face. It doesn't matter how many, <clears throat> how many warts or, or tooth cavities you have. It doesn't matter whether you are short, uh, medium, or tall, or skinny, or not so skinny, right? It doesn't matter what your past history is like. You can come to him and be adopted into his family, as the hymn writer puts it, just as I am, just as I am. <laughs> Amen? Think about being adopted by God. Think about it. Many of us struggle with feelings of inferiority. Right? Come on, be honest. Yeah? Many of us struggle with feelings of inferiority. Many of us sometimes feel like we're not worth much. Many of us on occasions feel like a nobody. And just imagine, God wants to adopt you into his family. You are that important. Over the years, George Adams here has said, Pastor, God does not make any junk. <laughs> He's a good theo theologian, that George. Yeah, you are somebody, 
And I want you to notice the last part of verse 5 in chapter 1 there. The last part of verse 5, it says, in accordance with his pleasure and will. That means, that means God even enjoys adopting you. He enjoys adopting each one of us. Isn't that lovely? In accordance with his good pleasure and his will. Wow. Wow. If as yet you're not adopted into God's family, at the end of this message, I want to give you a chance to make the step or take the step necessary for you to officially become adopted in the family of God. And so you can say and sing like one of the hymns says, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. Praise his holy name. Look at, uh, look at verse 6 beginning with verse 5. Here it is. All right, all right. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, it would take me too long to, to this morning to say everything that would need to be said about verse Six, may it be sufficient for me to say that as a result of our adoption into the family of God and the call to holiness and blamelessness, we are to turn into people of thanksgiving and praise. We are to turn, did you get that? We are to turn into people of thanksgiving and praise instead of whiners. As Isaiah chapter 43 verse 21 in the New International Version says, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my what? Proclaim my praise. Proclaim my praise. There's a third truth I want us to think upon today, and it is this. We want to say, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of redemption. Redemption, that's a big word, right? Paul expresses thanksgiving for redemption. Look at verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8 is where it is stated. Very clearly, verse 7, in him, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, that, that he, he lavished on us. Wow. Let me briefly explain the meaning of the word redemption. Redemption comes from a Greek word, lutron, which essentially means to ransom, 
to ransom or to set free. As the great Bible scholar Dr. William Barclay says, it is the word used for, <coughs> excuse me, is the word used for ransoming a man or a woman who is a prisoner of war or a slave for freeing a man from the penalty of death. Did you get that? For freeing a man from the penalty of death. You see, when the Apostle Paul says, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, this is what he is saying. He is saying, without Christ we are slaves. We are slaves to the power of sin, which eventually would result in a future in hell. But as a result of Christ's shed blood, as a result of his crucifixion, he has miraculously paid the ransom, making it possible for us to be free from the power of sin and free from the penalty of sin, which is death and hell. And so through his shed blood, through his shed blood, Christ has paid the price for your sins and your sins and your sins up in the balcony and your sins, online viewers, for my sins. In Christ, we have redemption. We have been set free from eternal death and now we are free to serve our living Lord Jesus who, who was not only crucified but was raised, was raised from the dead and is alive for he conquered death. Praise his holy name. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in him we have redemption through his blood. Fanny Crosby, the great hymn writer, understood Paul's words. Oh, she, she, she captured the truth of, of this scripture so beautifully when she said, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child, his child and forever, forever I am. Those beautiful words. Amen. Amen. You see, folks, we've got many reasons to praise the Lord for. Instead of complaining and whining, Praise him. Praise him. As a result of redemption, we furthermore have, as verse 7 says, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. In the first century in Roman law, when an adoption took place, the adopted person had all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family. Stick with me now. The adopted person had all the rights of a legitimate son or daughter in the new family. In the eyes of the law, he or she was a new person. So new was he or she that even all the debts and obligations connected with his previous past were abolished, 
They were abolished. They were wiped away as if they had never existed. You see, when you and I realize that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven, your sins of the past have been wiped out. They no longer exist. They have been forgiven, wiped out because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul says God has done for us. We were absolutely, we were absolutely in the power of sin and of the world's control. But God, through Jesus, took us out of that power into his family. And that adoption wipes out the past and makes us new. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. How can we be adopted into God's family? It is, as verse 5 says, through Jesus Christ. That is, through faith, through trust that Jesus is the one who has redeemed you. That is, that he is the one who has paid the price for your sins. Is your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Just a little review. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being holy and blameless. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of adoption Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of redemption. Praise his holy name. There's a fourth truth that is so significant as well. I want, I want to invite you now to think about this fourth truth, which is this, number four. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing that, that you are able, that God is able. Thank you for the privilege of knowing that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. This truth comes out very clearly in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Here is what it says. Here it is, here it is. Now, to him, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What does that mean? What, what does that mean, the, the, the verses we, we just read? It means that when we pray and ask God for what we think, what we think is best for us, God is able to do more than what we ask or imagine. Now stick with me. 
Think about those words, that he is able to do more than what we ask. Or imagine. I'm going to tell you a little something here, which hopefully a lot of you might remember, keep in your mind. It's really a part of our history. When our church first started, when Rosewood Church of the Nazarene first started in November of 1979 with a small group of people from our mother church, Main Street Church of the Nazarene, when we first started at Brimwood Boulevard Public School with the help of Mother Church, A one-acre property, a one-acre property was purchased on Alex Muir Boulevard, one block north of Finch and Brimley. We worked hard. Those of you who were with us back then will remember that we worked so very hard and many of you gave generously. We worked hard to pay off the one-acre property and to construct our first church building. We moved into that building on April 17, 1983. Our congregation grew, and in the early 1990s, it was necessary for us to to pray and look for a larger piece of land on which to build a larger church building. We looked and prayed for about six years for the larger piece of land. We thought, I thought, we thought it would be great if we could find three to four acres of property on which government regulations and zoning bylaws would permit us to build a larger church. We thought, wow, if we could only get three or four acres. In fact, we came very, very close to buying a 3.3 acres property not far from here, just up on Morningside. However, however, dear people, Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. The Lord helped us. The Lord helped us to find and buy not not three or four acres of land. God enabled us to buy these eight, number eight acres of land which was already zoned for worship purposes. And we bought this land, closed the deal in October of 1998. What most of you would have a hard time understanding is for any church to buy eight acres of prime property in Canada's largest city, close to Highway 401 
is a reminder, I say, it is a reminder that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Hallelujah. A few of you remember how we prayed and struggled during those six years looking for a property. Sometimes people think, oh, you can just go and buy any piece of property. It's not how it works. No, not in big cities especially. Uh, just for your interest, listen to this. Just for your interest. Very soon, very soon after we took possession of these eight acres of property here on Milner Avenue in Scarborough, for our international viewers, Scarborough is, we used to call it a suburb of uh, Toronto, and now it's technically a part of Toronto. But anyway, um, soon after we bought these eight acres, we had a totally, a totally unexpected and unasked for offer. We had an offer by another organization to buy, to buy the eight acres from us for double the price that we paid. If I recall, I think that, that offer came only about two weeks after we took ownership of this land. In fact, in fact, the realtor, the real estate agent, told me they, they, were willing, they were willing to pay even much more than double the price if we negotiated. And I told that wonderful realtor, I, I, said, I said, you know, we prayed and looked for this property for six years and we ain't selling it. <laughs> now, I, I don't normally use those words, we ain't. I, I, I said, we are not, we are not selling it, <laughs> all right? <laughs> God, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. My friends, what do you need? What do you need? Do you need physical or mental healing? Huh? Do you need restoration of a relationship? Do you need a good job? And as I say that, I want to ask you to pray, to pray for the Anna Frychucks to find good jobs in these days ahead? Do you, need, do you need victory over an addiction, an addiction like smoking, alcohol, drugs, pornography, or whatever the addiction might be? Do, do you need victory over prejudice? Do you need victory over prejudice or some other sin? Do you need a husband or a wife, 
a son or a daughter or a grandchild to be saved, to be saved, to come, to come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen? I still remember years ago when we were praying for George and Ruth's son to be saved. And he came to that point of confessing Jesus as a Savior and Lord. And he's been serving the Lord all these years. Amen. Amen. Do you need yourself? Do you need to forgive someone? Or to receive forgiveness? Amen. My friends, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, all we ask or imagine. <clears throat> Let me also ask us, do you maybe need healing from a deep hurt? A deep hurt, H-U-R-T. A lot of us Come on now, this is true. A lot of us live with deep hurts, don't we? Right? Some hurts are from childhood days. Other hurts are from teenage years or, or from adult heartbreaks. I want to show you a picture of my dear mother sandwiched between our daughter, Amy, and my brother's daughter, Jennifer. Do you see it up there? Okay, just leave it up there for a little bit. Uh, one, of, one of my family members sent this picture to me yesterday. There, there was a family gathering, which unfortunately I was not at. But anyway, at this family gathering, our daughter, Amy, who is on the right side of the picture, our daughter Amy and my brother's daughter, Jennifer, took that picture and sandwiched my mother between the two of the girls. And, and I don't know how this happened, but somehow, somehow one of those girls had a picture of themselves with my mother from 20 years ago, from 20 years ago. So the top picture is mother from 20 years ago with the two girls, and then the bottom picture is uh, mother with them from yesterday. Well, <clears throat> recently, I went, I went over to see my mother. My mother, just, you know, just see how she was doing and to have supper with her. My mother is now 86 years old, and I cherish any opportunity of spending time with my dear mother. Sons and daughters, cherish any opportunity you might have to spend with your mother or father or grandparents. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how exactly we got on this subject, but mother began to tell me 
of a deep hurt. She started to tell me of a deep hurt that she experienced when she was 10 or 11 years old. It was around 1945 or 1946, towards the end of World War II, when she was just 11, 10 or 11 years old. Mother and the family had lived in a village, a village of about 500 people called Perasma Florina in the northern part of Greece. Mother began to tell me of how when she was about 10 or 11 years of age, she had two younger sisters who were twins, who were twins. They were three years old when this happened. Their names, Mother said, their names were Asiliki and Helen. Mother, mother told me of how beautiful these little girls were, and, and more importantly, she told me of how she loved, mother loved her twin three-year-old sisters. But then one day, one day, one of the twins died. One of the twins died from starvation. About two weeks later, the second twin, mother said, also died from starvation, not having enough food. I said, I said, mother, mother, they, they must have had some illness that they died from. How could they, how could they die from starvation, mother? My mother said, son, you don't understand. You don't understand. She said, we did not have enough food to eat. She said, there wasn't enough food for my little twin sisters. And they died. And I said, Maybe thoughtlessly, I said, Mother, Mother, why didn't your parents, my grandparents, I said, why didn't your parents ask the neighbors for food? How could they not go through the village and ask, ask the neighbors for food? And Mother said, Nico, that's what my mother calls me often, Nico. Mother said, Nico. The neighbors didn't have food either. Nobody in the village had enough food. We were all hungry. We were all starving. And her two little twin sisters died from hunger, from starvation. <laughs> then mother Mother went on to tell me of a little brother she had. A, a little brother that she, she also loved so very much. 
her little brother was outside one day playing with a group of children. As best as I could understand my mother, it sounded like her little brother was outside on one of those old-fashioned, one of those old-fashioned tree swings which was hanging from a tree. How many of you as kids played on those old-fashioned swings? You know, it sounded like maybe it was an old tire that had been turned into a swing. Well, sadly, her little brother was on the swing and the other children were having fun just twirling, you know, twirling the swing around and around and it was spinning around and around and somehow, somehow her little brother's neck, her little brother's neck got stuck in the ropes and the other children couldn't free him. They couldn't free him. And by the time the other kids got an adult to rescue the little boy, mother's little brother was accidentally strangled to death. Oh, how much, how much my mother said she loved that little boy. But he was strangled. Obviously, I wept with my dear mother as I listened to her tell me of how about 75 years ago, her little twin sisters died of starvation and her little brother was accidentally strangled to death. I was reminded that my 86-year-old mother has lived, has lived with some deep hurts most of her life. And I wept with her. The truth is, the truth is, many of you are also living with some deep hurts. The details of what caused your hurt, your pain, the details are different from that of my mother's. But you are living with some deep hurts. I want, I want to encourage you today. Yes. I want to encourage you today by reminding you, by reminding you that God is able, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I believe, I believe the Lord has helped my mother to cope with the, the deaths of her little twin sisters and 
little brother. And I believe the Lord can also help you and me. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And Lord, today, may you help. May you help dozens of people. Lord, may you help hundreds of people with those deep hurts that they've been living with. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, each person in this sanctuary today and each person watching and listening online, each one listening on the radio broadcast is precious. They are precious to you, to their families, and to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help. You would help each one who has a deep hurt buried, buried within their heart. And some have not just one hurt, but many hurts. May you, O oh God, do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And may you help them, Lord. May you help them to heal up from those hurts. Help them, Lord, to heal up. Bring peace to their hurting heart, the kind of peace Brother Clinton spoke of and sang about earlier. And Heavenly Father, for anyone who as yet has not invited you to adopt them into their family, into your family, for anyone who has not yet realized the privilege of redemption, how you have paid the full price for our sins and we can be forgiven and adopted into your family, would you help that precious person to take the step forward and to say, Lord, I seek your forgiveness today. And God, I ask you to forgive me. I believe I can be forgiven because Jesus paid the price for my sins and I am redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Help anyone, Lord, who needs to be adopted, to be redeemed. And may you empower each one of us to live, to live holy, godly lives. For you have said that is our privilege. Hear us as individuals and as a corporate body. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.